you're welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is eight minutes after the hour. Larry Wayland is on board from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. We're going to go over uh, some firearms and uh, other things that he has brought into the studio. We were talking about a tyrannical government. Let's uh, go, Brandon. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> so, I got a We don't a use that language here. <laughs> I got a message here uh, from GaryNolan.com uh, from Joey. He says, just letting you know that you are a piece of spit. It's not really, <laughs> it's not really spit. It's a word that rhymes with it. Uh, I'm ashamed to live in an area that allows you to speak on the radio. Wow. Wow. Well, I, you know, I always welcome new fans to the mm -hmm. program. It's good to, good to have fans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lord. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, why don't you just... Uh, Joe, send a message and tell me what it is you don't like. Uh, you. What what particular <laughs> message uh, bothers you the most? Freedom, liberty, constitutionalist, Second Amendment? What exactly hmm. is be, it that... Be curious to know, yeah. What, yeah. What yeah. Is, what, what's his trigger? Yeah, uh, apparently freedom. Uh, in the meantime, uh, while we are oh, talking one about... Oh, those freedom guys. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we were... <clears throat> There was a candidate. Was he running for mayor? What was he running for? I don't remember. I, city council, I think. So anyway, he, he came on the show, and we were having this discussion. He finally he woke up, and he said, hey, you're one of those freedom guys, aren't you? Gary <laughs> <laughs> <Well>, says, yes. <laughs> Lord, One people. of those freedom guys. Yeah, one of freedom. <laughs> uh, all right, let me go... Uh, <clears throat> Let me go. I, I won't, by the way, embarrass Joe by releasing his last name. He he knows who he is. It'd be fun to know what his triggers are, though. I don't know. Wouldn't it, though? Yeah. Uh, wouldn't you love to know what exactly it is that he wants out of the world? Uh, and I don't know. I'll, I'm always curious about people like that. Let me go to the phones here. Get Chris on the line. He's been hanging on seemingly forever, but not really. Chris, no, welcome. It's okay. Yeah, not forever. Um, and I may be, I may have called prematurely. I caught the tail end. You had a disagreement. Could you explain the disagreement you had? Uh, that you have little faith and somebody else has a little, little faith. Uh, it's not really faith. a disagreement, Chris, because I'm always correct. Oh, no, I think pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty sure Larry's right on this one. I, I'm more optimistic. <laughs> I think explain what it is because I, I may be off topic and I don't want to. All right, myself. we were talking about the origins of the Second Amendment, which the founding okay. fathers clearly left us in order to. Uh, protect ourselves from a tyrannical government right and then we discussed whether or not we each thought we have a tyrannical government and i think the three of us concluded yes we do uh we based that on being forced to shove a needle in your arm uh taking uh making go to work and then taking part of your pay uh the intrusion into your private life by the government the uh, over regulation uh, etc so okay i i think i got it uh, so, I, what I was calling, I guess, is related. Uh, so I'm going to have to just uh, wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, and the reason um, w with this latest uh, uh, caving in by the Republicans on something unrelated, but not so much with the whole uh, debt ceiling stuff. You know, at first I thought, oh, good, we're going to stand by our guns, but it ain't going to last too long. And just like, just like what you're talking about, we don't have the fortitude to uh, withstand it. And and oh my gosh, it's a, it, it just seems like a no-brainer uh, if they would just hold fast. But that's all I have to say. I'm not a gun person, but but I am a freedom person. So, 
Well, you, if you want to keep the freedom. Yeah, we we might, might need to equip Absolutely. you with one before this is over. All right. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Glad to have you on the Gary on Gun Show. All right. So, uh, yeah, the console here looks a, a little bit like an arsenal. No, no. Uh, it just looks but like... there is one non-lethal Weapon yeah, I brought in. Brought I brought in. in a product that we we sell quite a few of these. Um, and I always bring in always bring in guns, and I usually bring in handguns because they're easier to carry than long guns. That's probably lazy on my part. But I brought in today a uh, a product from Kimber called the Pepper Blaster. It is a um, a, a less lethal uh, device that um, gives you two shots of high intensity um, pepper uh, capsaicin based. Um, deterrent that uh, comes out at uh, super fast, like 212 miles per hour, uh, gives you uh, over a 13 foot range. Um, it's uh, it's an alternative to have when um, a firearm might not be the right tool. It's uh, it is it is two shots. It's it's then disposable or recyclable. It's uh, it, it's not a reloadable mechanism, but it's a great little tool to have. I think it'd be great to keep in the in the automobile it's a little large it, it's it's larger than the keychain style of uh, of pepper spray we see a lot of people uh, walking around with but uh, it, it's a much better deterrent because because of its deployment velocity you're not going to duck the, the 113 mile an hour deployment of this of this pepper based uh, product it's uh, pepper blaster from kimber well there are times when discharging a firearm can be a uh you know, really, really risky, and an alternative to that seems to me this is a pretty good idea. Yeah. Uh, and at that kind of speed, that kind of velocity, uh, it's going to be hard to duck. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. Just a, you know, another another product we carry that I uh, haven't ever brought into feature, but the the Kimber Pepper Blaster. It's a it's a good tool. Um, you know, it's uh, it's the, it's like having a fire extinguisher. You need to have a a a variety of response um, tools um, for. To, to match the level of, of threat that you're encountering, I think. Now you can you could carry that in a purse. Uh, we'll ask Brian about that later. But <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, but you carry that in a pocket. You can pocket carry that, can't you? I mean, oh, absolutely. It's pretty small. Yeah, it's, it's not uh, overly it's large. About the size of uh, many of the the, the small uh, 380. Yeah. Uh, like the Ruger LCP, very similar in thickness and 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 format to the Ruger LCP. And uh, that's pretty reasonably priced. That's less than forty bucks. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for an alternative, something to keep in the car, uh, a little less lethal, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, you, you didn't, that's not an orphan. It's not the only thing you brought in. No, no, no. I, I'm looking I want to jump right onto this revolver. So I brought in a, a beautiful stainless steel. What if I don't want to go to the revolver? Because I've already gone there. Oh, okay. Ruger GP100. <laughs> and I'm the one holding the gun, Gary. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So this is a, a six-shot stainless steel revolver. Uh, the the Ruger GP100 is just a, uh, you know, as as reliable as a stone axe. They're they're great guns. A double action revolver, um, a large uh, overmolded rubber grip, uh, Ruger logoed, um, and this is a used uh, revolver we took in on trade. I haven't been able to get a, a, a reliable supply of double action revolvers, certainly nothing in the 357 line uh, from our distributors. So I was really tickled to get this one on trade. And, um, you know, it, it's a beautiful uh, full size uh, six shot double action stainless steel revolver. 
and um, feels you know, good in the hand too. You really can't go wrong with a three fifty seven grip. I know. It's. Good I mean, stuff. that is. You're going to have a good secure hold on this. Indeed, that is neat. Yeah, fun All stuff. All right, it's a, it's a Ruger GP one hundred yep. three fifty seven mag, uh, and it'll be on the wall at uh, the Brown Station location about seven minutes and, after uh, ten o'clock. Aren't I supposed to say? Modern Arms At first. Brown Station location. There you go. Now you got it right. At the location of Brown Station. Let's go, that? Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, that is uh, that is one of uh, a couple of firearms brought on board. We're going to tell you about the 9mm. Uh, uh, this is uh, this is for the elite, is it not? <laughs> it is. Yeah, cleverly worded. Uh, and then the one I'm really drooling over. That's all coming up. Gary on Guns. Hot Talk 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Got an intriguing question for you that we're going to get to in just a few minutes. And I do mean this is intriguing because it, it deals with a minor. Um, I love that sound. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, see, I thought we were a music station there for a second. But oh, no, nice. No rhythm, no, yeah. That was you. <laughs> All right, tell me about this 9mm. Okay, so I brought, in, price. I brought in a Canik. Um, this is the TP9 SF Elite. Their model numbers just keep getting longer and longer. Um, a beautiful tungsten gray Cerakote on the slide. A black grip frame sells for $425. This is their mid-size model with the 15-round uh, magazine capacity and grip frame. Comes well-appointed with with two magazines and the holster, um, a, a full kit for $425. Wait a minute, wait a minute. These this things, is new? Yeah, brand new guns. These are imported uh, from Turkey. Uh, Century Arms International brings them in. They do come with a lifetime warranty. Uh, they're equipped with... Uh, high-vis uh, fiber optic front sight, a beautiful U-notch uh, rear sight, and they're using uh, Williams uh, sights on these. Uh, it's got the uh, segmented safety trigger. Uh, beautiful, beautiful guns. Great price. Good value. Lifetime warranty. And for the, the people that really like to mm, play with their guns, like like to change parts, like to add add features that, that might not be already on this feature pack pistol, there's all kinds of aftermarket support for the Canik line. It has, uh, you know, it exploded onto the U.S. market. Great guns, good price, and a beautiful little specimen there at 425. Got a rail on the bottom. That's kind of neat. Yeah. And the grip, uh, the the uh, serrate is at the front and the back, so uh, it's easy to cycle. This is neat. Yeah. And for that price, that is astounding. Great value. Wow. We're tickled to have them in. Okay. Okay. I've been waiting for this. I know. I all know, morning. I know. And it's... it's uh, Kimber! It's, oh, Kimber! Um, let's go, Brandon. So we have here the... Uh, the, <laughs> the Slip it right in there the and keep right on National going. National Wild Turkey Federation uh, logoed um, Kimber Custom 2. So it has the brown Cerakote um, slide with uh, three turkeys on one side and the National Wild Turkey Federation logo on the other. Um, a beautiful gun. It does have uh, mossy oak grip panels on it, so it's got a little camouflage uh, flare to it, the black uh, aluminum grip frame, and it's the Kimber 1911, full-size government model. Um, just an absolute beautiful specimen of the 1911 that has been done by so many companies for so long, and John Browning was a genius in his design of this um, more than 100 years ago. The, you know, Proven, proven designs will last for a very long time, and the, the 1911s by Kimber uh, are proof of that. 
Boy, I mean, it is absolutely, it's actually pretty. Yeah, it, it really <laughs> is. And, you know, this is a gun we took in on trade. Um, a lot of times uh, when people go to the banquets, they win a gun. Uh, sometimes we see them on the secondary market, people wanting to trade them for something they had a greater desire for. And that's how we came across this one. Um, just a beautiful example of a high-quality, single-action, single-stack, 1911, chambered in 45 caliber, just as the Lord and John Browning intended it. Golly, that's nice. Yeah. Um, and, boy, at that price... Yeah. Where are you going to pick up a Kimber that looks like... I mean, that looks... It really does look as good as new. Indeed. So, that can all be found at Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Just a little later on from now, about 1010. Yeah. Uh, well, if you're in law enforcement uh, tracking speeders on 63, it'll be there about 1020. Yeah, but it takes me about 20 minutes to get up there. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise... We'll be open. You know, 15 if you're breaking the law. Yeah, we'll be open in 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean, ten after ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. Uh, all right. So, and and uh, and, and I, I really do. I love uh, between the prices and the versatility. Uh, you brought in some great firearms. There is a story that uh, has come to my attention through Brian again because he's really sticking his nose into my gun show today. Kind of doing all your work for you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have some other stories that I wanted to get to, uh, but uh, I'm going to put them on hold because I like his story better. I, I just thought it was some, uh, really worth chatting about. Apparently, there was a kid uh, in Florida, Fort Lauderdale, uh, went into elementary school. He was 10 years old, and he had a gun in his backpack. Um, how the, uh, you know, I don't know how this kid got his hands on a gun, um, but it sent a scare through the school. There was a temporary lockdown. Uh, the kid wasn't arrested, and they decided they weren't going to charge him. Um, in response to the incident, Broward, State's, uh, Broward State Attorney's Office said it, would, uh, it wouldn't criminalize the child, rather making sure his family gets the help they need. Uh, Attorney Michael Gottlieb is not involved in the case, but he explained uh, to a local television station a possible reason why the boy wasn't charged. When you arrest a 10-year-old, you create a significant amount of trauma. Uh, a criminal defense attorney and state representative said, uh, and if they looked at this as a 10-year-old who's already suffering from some type of mental disease, mental defect, or some kind of family trauma, they make a decision that this is a child that society would benefit best if a child gets services rather than arrested. So the question is, is that the right decision? Uh, you got a 10-year-old that gets his hands on a gun, brings it to school. And we just had a story, uh, I think this week we've had two stories, uh, one of them down in a, a suburb of Dallas, where some kid brought in a, a forty-five caliber uh, and uh, into school and started shooting. These kids are bringing guns in. So do you prosecute this kid? In hopes of teaching others a lesson, or do you let him go and and you know get family services and society uh, step in to help? Which makes sense to you? Eight seven four ninety three ninety eight hundred five two nine five five seven two. He's ten years old, but he brought a gun to school. I mean, if 
If he were 17 years old and brought a gun to school, would they give him the same kind of break? It'd still be a minor. I think, there's a, I think there's a huge difference between 10 and 17. All right, so what if he's 14? <laughs> I'm not going to pick the number. I'm just saying there's a huge difference between 10 and 17. There's a smaller difference between 10 and 14 or 10 and 13. <laughs> Where do you draw the line? Do you send a message to the kid uh, by, uh, by pressing charges? I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I personally don't see what's gained by that. Well, um, I guess a lot of that is going to have to depend on, on how you look at uh, criminal defense and, and, and what you think of the justice system. What's it there for? Uh, is it to keep us, uh, is it to punish the bad guy or simply to keep us safe? And if it's to keep us safe, how do we go about it? Is this kid a bad guy? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and play the devil's advocate here, but, I, but in all honesty, I actually think <clears throat> that they did do the right thing. But I'll get your opinion, 874-9390-800-529-5572. Robin is already online, so I'm going to go to Robin first. Robin, welcome. How are you? Good morning, Gary Nolan. I'm outstanding. I'm about to watch the Mizzou Homecoming Parade. Ooh. And I am a 27-year veteran teacher. And um, I, I want to correct a, a wording Um don't think kids are bad. I think they make bad choices. And, you know, the message that we send with labels is very powerful. Um, I, it's not, it's the, the, I hate to say it, but the parents, you know, they're products, the kids are products of the parents and the home. And, you know, the guns should be locked up. Kids shouldn't have access to them. That's not the kid's Bad choice that the gun wasn't locked up. If mom um, and dad, Robin, if mom and dad left a gun on the nightstand and mm -hmm. uh, Junior picks up the gun, throws it in his backpack and goes to school, should mom and dad be punished mm -hmm. at all? For um, I, I have a feeling that I, I don't really know the answer to that. I don't know if punishment is the route we want to go as opposed to some intensive counseling and therapy for whatever it is that's not working in that home. All right. Robin, I am up against the clock. I am sorry, but if I don't go to news, uh, we get we just cut you off. So I appreciate the call, but we're going to kick this around some more. Thank you. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Hot Talk 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. It's 35 minutes after the hour. Larry Whalen on board from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Yeah, we're talking about a 10-year-old kid in uh, Fort Lauderdale who walked into school with a gun in his backpack. It uh, created quite a, a, a bit of, quite a bit of tumult. And the question, uh, and there are a couple that kind of revolve around this, is uh, should they uh, charge the kid uh, or not? And, you know, based on conversations that we've been having, uh, we've, we think uh, charging the kid is probably not a good idea, uh, that better to get him counseling. But what about the parents? If this kid picked up the gun at home on a nightstand, threw it in his backpack and went to school, the parents are being incredibly irresponsible with an incredibly dangerous tool. Should they be held accountable? Should What, what, what kind of a, uh, re repercussions do you think the parents should, uh, should endure? Well, I don't know. 
What do you think? I mean, should should they pay a fine? Should they do some time? Should, you know, if it's the father, should he be told to do community service for six months? Uh, do we let him off the hook if he's being irresponsible and leaving a firearm in the nightstand unattended where his, you know, 10-year-old kid can pick it up? I don't know. I'm, I'm asking, uh, and I'll, I'll I'll entertain your calls. Eight seven four ninety three ninety or eight hundred five two nine five five seven two. You also have the option of just going to GaryNolan dot com and sending me a message there, uh, and it will show up here in studio, and I will read it. Uh, but the parents, if they leave that gun out. Is that not irresponsible? It doesn't seem like responsible gun ownership to me. And if that results in somebody getting hurt or, you know, just, you know, the kid carrying it to school, do we, how do we send a message to the parents, you know, we better be careful? Do you do, you do it with punishment? I don't know. I, I'm just asking. Yeah, I, I don't know the right answers on that one, Gary. Uh, but I do know that there are very easy ways to be responsible gun owners. And, uh, you know, controlling the access to those firearms uh, is vital. Um, it's it's for your for your family's safety. Um, you know, part of the reason people will add a firearm <clears throat> to the family is is to have a la- layer of safety. But if you're negligent with that, uh, you, you could potentially make things more dangerous. So it's, it's incumbent upon um, gun owners to be responsible and, and use safe storage methods for their firearms and, and educate their family about it. Ten years old is not too young to start learning about firearm safety. Um, so, you know, I think that it's, uh, it's a, a couple of, couple of parts there that, that need to come into play, but, um, you know, responsible gun ownership involves controlling access to those firearms. We, um, we've talked about this too, by the way, we've talked about, uh, responsible gun ownership. Uh, and you know, it's just not all that expensive to get one of those little safes for your nightstand, uh, that you put the gun in there if you've got the right combination or the right fingerprint or whatever uh it's easy enough to get opened in a new york second and if you're leaving home uh securing those firearms uh in, in a in a in a small safe just makes a lot of sense uh let me go to the phones and uh, james is on the line james welcome glad to have you on gary and guns how are you Oh, I'm doing wonderfully well. Thank you, Gary. Uh, I think this is an interesting topic. Um, And what I've come up with is, without more information, it's very difficult to make that judgment as to what should be done to the child and to the parents. You see, when I was was 12 years old, I brought a gun to school. Um, And actually, it was for a how-to project that I had to do for a seventh grade class. And uh, what I did was how to clean a gun and i brought in a savage model 99 that i used for deer hunting and broke it down and showed people how to clean one in a uh, agriculture classroom um my grandfather kept a loaded 12 gauge behind his kitchen door and nobody ever got shot well i don't think that's responsible necessarily i just think there's a little bit more to it there needs to be more information to understand exactly what justice is in this case um there was a time when uh, kids would carry their rifle on the subway in New York and, and bring it to school, uh, and it was perfectly fine, uh, and, and they would do their cla- their shooting class and, and uh, marksmanship and all that stuff, and nobody ever panicked. But today, 
Of course, we have gun-free school zones and all kinds of punishment for adults who bring their firearm into the school. Uh, but So times do change. But yes. what if the parent just left the gun out in the open, didn't teach this kid about responsible gun ownership, didn't tell him not to touch a gun, uh, to always assume that it's loaded, just left well, it there? It, it, would went, that be irresponsible gun ownership? I would think that it would be not, and that comes with not training the child uh, what as to how to handle a weapon and what is generally safe and what is not. And I like your idea of community service. I think six months teaching gun safety classes would be a wonderful idea for that. Yeah, I think that's that's reasonable. Um, forcing them to uh, to take some gun safety classes uh, and then maybe to teach them. I think that would be a great idea. Two children of that age group would be ideal in my mind. All right. James, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Uh, let's see. Can the kid be kept from ever owning a gun again? Asks Mike. Nah, I wouldn't want to do that. Um, I don't that think that's the right answer, but I, I love the creative uh, sentencing of, uh, yeah, having the the, the parents uh, go through a gun safety class and then teach it as a community service. That's uh, That would be a powerful training tool. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that would be great for them. <laughs> Does it send a message to other parents? Well, that would be up to the media, wouldn't it? Let me go back to the phones. Dave, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. What do you think? I think I'm just kind of appalled that you're crawling into the gun grabber's attitude. I mean, if if you've got something in your home, isn't it secured in your home? If the child had started a fire with matches or gasoline, would you make the parents go to fire prevention training for their children? (laughs) And then you're questioning and trying to put out a governmental standard about how you should train and educate your kids? I don't remember with Harry, whom what happened? I don't remember with whom I was speaking, but I used this very same argument. Maybe it was last week on Gary on Guns <laughs> or on the national show, but I used the very same argument. And uh God, I hate it when people are right. <laughs> Dave, that is a valid point. If you leave and my uh my version of this, Dave, last week was you know, if you leave a drain cleaner under the sink or some kind of caustic detergent and the kid drinks it, um, are you uh, are you responsible? Do you get punished for that? And I can... Huh? Gary, another point is, is why are we giving prosecutors so much prosecutorial discretion? If it's a crime, prosecute crime. They well, can do things like do a suspended imposition of sentence until the kid's 18. And, and then what? He Why never do gets we allow to... prosecutors to decide what, what is and is not appropriate? They ought to well, follow the law. If you have a suspended imposition of of, uh, uh, of punishment, then doesn't the kid automatically lose the right to own a firearm when he's an adult? No, they could, they set up this stuff with DWIs and other things where you can have a suspended imposition of sentence, and upon completion of probation, everything goes away. They've got tools. There are prosecutorial tools to handle sentencing without ruining someone. But the, my point is, is why do we give all these silly prosecutors so much latitude and make them potentates where they can say, yes, this is good. Yes, that's bad. That's all I got, buddy. Yeah, you got a lot, too. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Wisdom of the masses. Wisdom of the masses. 
Uh, all right, 874-9390. The toll-free number is 800-529-5572. You can also contact me at GaryNolan.com. Uh, we've got, uh, well, a story about the ATF wasting a lot of money. I'll see if I can get to that. But we told you about Smith & Wesson leaving Massachusetts. It's interesting ramifications. That's up next. Gary and Guns, Hot Talk 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. It's 49 minutes after the hour. Larry Whalen on board from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. And then uh, Brian Hansen, uh, engineering, pushing the buttons, making things happen. Let's and... go, Brandon. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, which you can get away with. Uh, Lord. All right. Before I get into the story about uh, Smith & Wesson and their move, the question I keep getting from people is, how about ammo? Are we getting in ammo? Uh, I understand that it's loosening up a bit. It's, how are things it's, at it's Modern It's getting Arms? better. It's getting better. Um, we've been able to stay in stock on uh, 9mm and 40 cal and, and two twenty three. We've got that available uh, most every day. Um, you know, the, the, the exposure we, we're really seeing is, is we're not getting our orders filled on our... Um, whitetail deer hunting ammo. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have any of that shipped in uh, before the season. I've got a little bit of uh, of .30-06 ammo, but that's about the only category of centerfire rifle ammunition for hunting whitetail that I have. And, uh, you know, the shelves are are still empty on that side, but we've been doing better on the on the handgun world. And, you know, the firearms themselves are loosening up. We've got most um, most guns available um, and, and can fill orders on those really quick. But, um, you know, the, the ammo is coming back slowly, but it's, it's disappointing that we're still up against, uh, you know, ammo scarcity and, you know, all kinds of things related to that. Well, when you consider that for a year and a half, if you wanted to get ammo, you had to buy a gun. Right. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we, we, we're much better than that. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it, it's just slow to respond. It, it, it's supply chain issues. And I wonder- every, every industry is dealing with them. I wonder if they do, you know, like gearing up uh, for the uh, rifle ammo versus the pistol ammo, uh, if they have to shut one line down and... Yeah, you know, it's a limited number of, of manufacturing uh, tools, uh, manufacturing uh, equipment, so... You know they're they're selling all of the all of the nine millimeter and two twenty three that they can produce, um, and you know there, there's hardly excess of that. So taking that production line out of out of production for the days it takes to to retool it for other calibers um, just doesn't make sense. So uh, you know they're they're just continuing to run the the products they're they're able to sell um, all of them they can make. So how are we doing for twenty two? I haven't had any for a while. Um, it's um, we're we're getting some small shipments from time to time, but I'm not getting large uh, large quantities to. to is it like you get a surprise delivery? You, you know, it, you it, ordered it, a couple of months yeah, ago. Yeah, it almost so. is. Uh, you know, when we open the boxes, um, you know, I've, I've placed orders out and and we're receiving uh, partials on those orders that we'd requested. So yeah, it is. Uh, when we open the box, we were somewhat surprised as what shows up. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a, a way I should be tracking that and know what's coming in, but until it gets there, it really doesn't matter. So I just uh, sell it when it arrives. All right. So if you got a pistol, they got he's got it at yeah. uh, Modern Arms at the Brown Station location. And uh, 223, you said. Oh, uh, we do indeed. Yes. So um, that's a place to go. Yeah. Um, I, I, I talked about this story last week. Smith and Wesson, apparently a Democrat who was literally catering to his base, got a law passed in Massachusetts that said.
if you make uh, an AR-15 type rifle or a magazine that holds more than 10 rounds, unless you're just selling it to law enforcement or the U.S. military, you can't, you can't do that in Massachusetts. So Smith & Wesson said, well, okay, uh, pretty much had it, packed up their bags and moved to Tennessee. Kind of like the Beverly Hillbillies in reverse. <laughs> and um, with them, of course, uh, went a ton of good jobs. And I was like, I was stunned that anybody would be stupid enough to write a law like this, knowing that, you know, all these manufacturers of firearms, you know, since the, the country uh, was founded, were there. Uh, they've always been there. And I thought, well, Massachusetts, I shouldn't be surprised. People are probably, you know, just giddy that they managed to drive out a gun manufacturer. But it turns out that isn't necessarily true. Uh, apparently, uh, the state legislator, Williams, uh, that, that got this thing through, there's uh, newspaper stories and, and all kinds of attacks and all kinds of tumult. They're really upset about this. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, Massachusetts, I would have thought, yeah, they're they're good with this, but they're not. Um, they moved their headquarters. 550 of their 1,500 uh, jobs went to Tennessee after 169 years uh, of uh, operating in the state. It was, they said, at uh, Bearing Arms, a legislative blunder. Uh, not uh, not about whether assault-style uh, assault weapons or certain handguns are justified or not. It's about representing the people of the district that elects you. Uh, in this case, 550 jobs are going to be lost, and those families face uncertain and even frightening futures. This, uh, from a publication in Massachusetts, is kind of refreshing. Uh, I hope it costs this guy his job. Uh, that he that he did this to those people, and and it doesn't just affect the families that lose their jobs because they are taxpayers. And, you know, you lose 550 jobs out of a small community like that, uh, it can have a, a, a pretty serious impact. I was surprised at that. Ohio, uh, a piece of uh, legislation there that I thought was kind of neat. Senate Bill 185 declares firearm possession, transportation, carrying, uh, commerce, and training range access as well as hunting and fishing, to be life-sustaining essential activities. Uh, and neither state nor local authorities will be allowed to infringe on those rights under the guise of a declared emergency. Nice. We all, we all remember what happened uh, when Katrina hit uh, and all those people in New Orleans lost their firearms. They weren't, you know, it, it, it was, uh, you know, you're not allowed to have a gun. When you'd think you'd need it most, right? Well, yeah, when people were vulnerable and, and law enforcement had broken down and then they, you know, go door-to-door -door collecting firearms, uh, it's not the time to uh, be disarming people for sure. But, you know, the good news about uh, the Ohio law is, you know, if you get another um, a COVID shutdown similar to that where your, your local health department says, you know, um, you know, non-essential businesses uh, can't open. Hey, they've made they've redefined what not what essential is, and uh, the folks in Ohio would be uh, able to continue carrying on commerce uh, even with um, health order shutdowns. Uh, good move uh, on the part of Ohio. Uh, and finally, I got a question. Uh, ask Larry about shotgun ammo, please. Buy a shotgun. 
Um, shotgun ammo is, uh, for, for field bird loads, I don't have any. It's been uh, months since we've had any delivered. Uh, we do have a little bit of defensive 12-gauge buckshot and some slugs. But uh, field loads, turkey loads, I do not have any. I've got them on order. Again, we're getting really small trickle of shipments, but not enough to uh, fill the shelves by any means. Man, I can't it's been wait. a challenge for the you know youth trap shooting, uh, the the youth shooting programs for for ammunition for those. Um, it's it's a it's horrible to have that pipeline pinched off. Yeah, I've had a couple of people uh, call and ask me if I knew where they could get their uh, competition ammo. And yeah, it's just challenging. Buy shotgun. They're, they're just <laughs> thank you, thank you, Joe. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. Uh, we're, we're, should we just chant something for Brandon? Let's, Let's go, go, Brandon. Yeah. 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 Brandon says, if you have a shotgun. No. Anyway. <laughs> um, listen. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Let's go, Brandon. The uh, the parade's going on today, and uh, our own Brandon Rathard is actually emceeing, so go enjoy. Thank you, Larry Whalen from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. Seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.